The Talk and Golf Network is proudly supported by the Golf Society. Shop designer golf apparel, shoes and accessories from the world's most exclusive and best golf brands. Online at www.thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash talk and golf. I could take out of my life everything except my experiences at St. Andrews, and I still have a rich, full life. But the last tee shot I hit was more like it, that one in the playoff. Against Biden and Ray. That's right. The best thing to win the Masters, you, you will be here forever, as long as you are still alive, so that's the best thing. I'm very happy. Welcome to episode 35 of the Talking Golf History Podcast, and part three of the history of Dr. Alistair McKenzie, Cypress Point. Our special guest today is Director of Grounds at the Meadow Club, Sean Tully. Let's start in right where we left off. Tully, another big inflection point in Dr. Alistair McKenzie's career is oddly the death of another architect. The death of C.B. McDonald's protege, Seth Rayner, and with it the opportunity to design Cypress Point. Now, I have a hypothetical question for you, which are, they're never fair. But if Seth Rayner had lived... How well would we know Alistair McKenzie? I mean, how well known would he be today? Well, yeah, that's a tough one. But uh, I think he'd still be well known. Cypress Point obviously um, was sort of a launching pad for the tail end of his career, specifically to Augusta. Um, But, you know, he'd... He, he put his foot down pretty firm when he came to the States and definitely had a lot of work coming his way. Um, but it sure did help that, um, you know, unfortunately Seth Rayner had uh, passed away for that to happen. But uh, for him to get the job at Cypress Point um, was, it really was, allowed him to uh, show off what he was able to do. Yeah. And with that, Augusta National. I mean, if you don't have Cypress Point designed by Alistair McKenzie, do we have Augusta National designed by Alistair McKenzie? It's, I mean, it's possible, of course, but the two are well connected. They, they are. Um, they, they certainly are. Well, um, let me ask you this. So, what, what, and this isn't a McKenzie question, but what do we know about Rayner's time at Cypress Point? We'll, we'll step on Anthony's toes. Of course, everyone knows at home, Anthony's writing the book, Template for Greatness, the story of Seth Rayner. Be out, I think, in the next year, maybe two, Anthony. You're going to have to answer that question on Twitter. But um, what do we know? I mean, we, do we know like when he was effectively hired? We think he did a routing. What do we know? When was he hired? How is that going to happen? So it's pretty interesting in that a couple things happened. So we definitely we, we can say one thing that the club incorporated in in 27, and um, they formed the papers of incorporation with the state of California. What's but that doesn't mean that's when it started. Um, it was definitely well before that. 
with Rainer, he was obviously um, involved at MPCC, the, the dunes, and he drew up plans for the short course. The dunes course, he was, you know, it was almost finished um, at the time of his death. And um, let's see, it was um, McKenzie, Hunter, and even Egan were involved in finishing the course. Um, Egan was actually a member there. Um, I, oh, I did know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was a, a farmer, apple pear farmer um, up in uh, Medford, Oregon. And uh, but he came down quite a bit and played in a lot of golf tournaments, you know, was a member. So they finished the course, um, probably softened a lot of what we would think of as Rainer and, and gave it a little more natural bend to it. Um, and then, you know, going through um, Tony, uh, Tony Piapi and some of um, the other guys that he works with um, on the, um, the Rainer research that they're doing, I think Nigel and. I apologize for the other guy's name. I can't remember it. Um, but they've been digging into some of the Olmstead stuff because uh, a lot of Rainer's projects. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Were, were with um, Olmstead. So, same with McKenzie. I mean, Meadow Club, Positampo, and, uh, and obviously Augusta. Um, unfortunately, Cypress Point didn't go that way. It would be cool to have some correspondence there. So he was involved, you know, they, they found plans where he was going to make some adjustments to the Del Monte course. And, you know, throughout the years, there's there's numerous mentions of other golf courses. There was 1930, they were going to build another golf course in um, with through um, Del Monte uh, properties. And then I also found a... <clears throat> where Marion Hollins, maybe a year or two later, was looking at um, some property out of where I believe is now Point Lobo State Park, which is just south of Carmel, for another property for a golf course. Oh, so, really? Huh. Uh, it's kind of crazy. They kind of had the run of the – well, they still have the run of the <laughs> They do. They do. Can you imagine, though? I mean, the, I mean, just oh, that would have been the things that could have happened. Yeah. So, and the things that did. I mean, let's let's face yeah, it. That's not a bad area. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So what what's interesting is I was just going through some of my the research I've I have. It says that Rainer. So this is late tw- early twenty five. So the end of twenty four, Rainer had worked on a routing for Cyprus. Nineteen twenty four. Okay. I believe. Um. It's not so. F- not all that fresh in my head. We'll say 1924-ish. But, um, yes. Yeah. So by 25, we, we definitely know by 25, there's the article in one of the golf publications that shows the, the um, rock out, the rock in the, in the Pacific ocean that um, they were going to build a tee on with a, they had a stake on it in the picture and now it's, you know, now it's, I think they call it the McKenzie Bridge, but it, you know, maybe it should be called the Rainer Bridge. On so 18. Yeah. On 18. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that, that shows that, you know, 18 was there. Um, so we can, you know, cement the, that part of the routing or that hole at least, or the T. And then um, what's interesting is, you know, I do a lot of research on, on photographers or I try to, and one of these, um, 
early photographers in the Bay Area was A.D. Mills. Um, and one of it, he, he took photographs. He was a member at Mill Valley Golf Club in Mill Valley, just in Marin here. And um, as that club formed in 1920, he was documenting through pictures and drawings the formation of the club and and um, the members that were out there playing and taking photographs. And then he was an insurance salesman, and then he parlayed that and was on the side. He was going to tournaments and going to clubs and doing photo albums. And um, there's these wonderful little photo albums that he's done that um, most are, are lost to the wind or to the trash bin, unfortunately. But there's still some out there that will turn up, and uh, they're amazing. Um, and uh, But he, he took pictures of golf in the Bay Area and down to Monterey from about 1920 to about 1950. Not a bad run. Not um, at all. Yeah, perfect timing. Yeah, so he has pictures of golf courses that, I mean, um, Max Bear's course, Cappuccino um, Golf and Country Club, which is right across the street from Green Hills, um, that's no longer there. He's got pictures of that place, but I can't. I haven't been able to find his archive. And uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm, he's he's somebody I'm really interested in, and I'm always um, trying to figure out more about him and where his his photos are. But one of the pictures that he has taken, it, it's in a uh, architecture book, um, Great Golf Holes or something. I want to say maybe it was Forrest Richardson or somebody that put it together. And um, there's a picture of the 16th green where it is now, and there's an X on it. And it What year is this? This is, well, that's the thing. Um, I don't know if anybody knew the date that that was taken. And, and maybe they most people assumed it was, you know, McKinsey time frame, but it dates the picture was taken and published before McKinsey was involved with the property. Wow. So Rainer had that. Yeah, it begs the question, though, doesn't it? I mean, I, I think that's the age-old question for people who – the Rainer-McKinsey question is, how much of the routing is Rainer and how much is McKinsey? Like, I, I don't know. I think through I, just a couple holes that stand out in my in my head. And, and of course, shaping is going to be everything. But, like, the third hole at uh, Cypress Point is really set up for a perfect short hole. And the seventh hole really could feel just the shaping. Now that the way the green works is totally different as a Redan. It feels like, and, and then you, and you've just mentioned the 18th with the bridge, uh, potentially this photograph of, of 16. How probable is it? I maybe is the best question that the routing is Rainer. We know that there was some changes. I mean, 14 was changed. Mm-hmm. There was some, I think, I want to say it was Hunter Jr. got in trouble for cutting a tree down that they wanted to keep or something. That's a little, like one of those little side stories that we somehow randomly makes it through all this history. But um, no, I mean, I mean, what makes the study of architecture so interesting is, and it happens so, not so often, but it's the opposite. It, it you rarely get this opportunity to see a golf property a property that has a golf course on it what one person designed and then somebody else comes in and and designs um another course over the top of it i mean or gets you know maybe somebody had the job and then they got fired and somebody else came in 
Um, Cal Club's an example of that. You know, I think it was less than a week or about a week that um, Willie Locke had the job and he got fired. But 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 Vernon McCann got stuck with the routing. So yeah, they would, you just work with point, what you got. Like, we got to get moving. We got to get the course done. And then obviously um, McKenzie comes in later and gets to bunker the course and get some other things done to it. Um, but anyway. Let's see. 1926, I think January, Seth Rayner passes away. Um, when does McKenzie come to the property for the first time? What Do we know the timeline? It's a little fuzzy. Um, I don't think we have a specific date. We do have a mention, I think, in February of 26, they had um, a, had selected uh, McKenzie and Hunter. In 26? Yeah. So, like a month later? Yeah. So... I guess for a sake of practicality, uh, if Rayner had had a, a routing, they may have used at least some of the best parts of it. Sounds like they did, according to the 18th, maybe 16th, and maybe a couple other holes. Well, there there wasn't a lot of rush because they were busy somewhere else. Sure, yeah. So, a, a prolific years from 1925 to 1929, or really 28, McKenzie was all over the place. I would say right up to his death. Yeah, but uh, um, they were you know they were at Meadow Club and you know they picked up here and they you know in let's see that would have been of course opened here in October um, seating you know they they left here probably early twenty seven I've got somewhere I've got dates and times for some of the construction that happened at Cypress but um, they left here and, and went to Cypress Point and um, pretty much. I mean, they were here, they were working at uh, Cal Club, they were working at Claremont, Lake Merced, they were working there in 28. Um, yeah, so they were busy. And uh, But with, with Cypress, um, you know, just getting back to the the routing, um, there there's still, time will tell. I mean, I think between um, Tony and I are talking about digging in there and you know, there's other maps. There's there's a map that um, um, I think Nigel and I think it was. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to bring this up. Yeah, the map of the area around Cypress Point. It's been attributed to 1921, whether the right date's right. And it appears to have holes drowned out on it. What do we know about that map? Who discovered it? Do we know who discovered that map? Where'd that come from? It sounds like one of those, I think, Sven did, or I don't want to, I don't know. So one of those guys found it on the website that, that it was on and posted it on there. I got turned off. I mean, I, I was of the understanding that they were saying it was 1921, but the more I I took a look at it, some, you know, as I was doing some more of this and um, it's interesting. Um, I need, I need to look at it some more. I need to, re- I can't recall. And I, I have a mention of it, so I know when it happened, but I have to find the mention of it happening. <laughs> so, um, I've got so much research on my computer that I have to go through and organize that. I yeah. haven't. But, uh, have, have you looked at that map and compared it to the current routing? I, I, I have the map. It's on my computer. I, I've just been too busy to do it. Well, I'm not even looking at Cypress. I'm looking at Pebble Beach. For sure. Trying to figure out the timing because I know that the 18th hole was was moved at a certain period of time, and it was either 22 or 24. 
And if it's, but I mean, we're talking about a map. The map could have been sitting on somebody's table waiting to get information on a road or a county line or something. So, you know, I, I need to, to definitely um, tie up the, the loose ends on when the, when the, when the map was actually published. I mean, it Um, could be spectacular information, whether it's here or there or later. um, It's, how how old when was that map discovered do we know that like nigel whoever discovered it sven whoever that was how long ago was that in the last year i think okay so it's new information historically speaking it's new yeah yeah definitely and you know it just needs to be um um vetted and dug up a little bit i yeah i go over to berkeley um uh, uc berkeley um they have a, a map collection and I went over there to see if it was in there or to see if what other maps they had of Monterey. I've done the same thing for the courses around Lake Merced and it's, it's, a, it's pretty cool. They, you know, they actually, to the, um, the routings that they show are actually fairly correct as they should be. I mean, they're, they're building a map for fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. But, um, you know, the, the old, the second San Francisco golf club is, is all there. Everything's in the right place. And then um, don't, after that, they just kind of turn it into uh, like a green, green area. They don't put all the holes on it, um, unfortunately for when it moved, but uh, some maps, I mean, this map is pretty solid map. I mean, it looks like it, it, somebody put a lot of effort into it. They weren't just, you know, drawing lines on it and uh, saying golf holes were here or there. So it's promising. Um, but I, the, everything I, is in the date, though, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, if, it, if it's 1930, it does nothing for us. Correct. But if it's yeah. you know pre 1927, 1926, 1925, things get very yeah. interesting. They do, and and what I always, you know, what I try to tell people when they're doing research or trying to, to understand things is, and even at, as a golf course superintendent. You know, when we put our notes together, none of it means anything when you don't put a date on it. So true. If you don't put a date on it. It nobody. There's no bearing to understand the time frame that you're you're thinking about it, and it could say whatever it wants to say, and it just puts more work on the researcher to try to figure out. So true. I mean, if, you got to find the source. Yeah, it's it, when you do find the source, you know, save it and put the date in the in the file name. That's what I always do, or I always crop the picture to or the, you know, the, the newspaper article to show the date. But now that I'm using, yeah, I'm getting into all my research ideas. I don't. <laughs> That's all right. I no, but I, I think it's, it's, to me, it's extremely encouraging that within the last year, something's been found. Now it may be hooey, right? It may be yeah. something that's worth nothing to us from a research standpoint, mm-hmm. or it could open a door. Yeah. And if we can track down where it came from, or at least the year, things could get interesting. And that, that always gives me goosebumps. When, you, when yeah. you're following a trail, sometimes the trail leads to, leads to a dead end, and other times, X marks the spot. Correct. And you know, just as there are people on our side doing the research on golf courses, there's people that are doing researches, re- researching these maps and the people that drew them. So um, it, it, it's... You know, part of the well, that's what I like about this is you know we may end up finding somebody that has a whole collection of maps that we've never seen before, 
in the notes and talking about, you know, maybe he's got, you know, I'm, this is me. I'm always trying to be positive when I talk about the research I want to do, but I'm hoping we find like the grandson of the guy that made the map in all his notes where he says, I'm waiting for Rainer to give me the, uh, the routing for Cypress point. Cause it's almost finished. I want to include it in the map. Absolutely. I mean, but there have been a lot of designs found that way, right? Where we couldn't find the original drawings, but you go to like the engineering company that's been bought by bought by bought by somebody else. And in their archives is the original map and they had no idea. Correct. And I did that. I mean, here I am searching out things and a friend of mine, um, his dad is a, a surveyor and I, I told him what I was doing and and he's like, well, you you send me the names, and I'll I'll see if I'll talk to the old timers and see what they can do. And man, he comes back. He's like, yeah, this company has it in San Francisco, and um, for years and years and years, UC Berkeley had the 1920 routing map for San Francisco Golf Club by Tillinghast, and oh. they could never find it in their collection. And I was like, I know it's in there because you guys have it. It says right here, and. Uh, and then we were able to find it, and you know I think the club has it now, but uh, not the UC Berkeley one, obviously. Um, that's in their collection. But um, we found the the people that, as you said, you know the different firms that have purchased the the maps over the years. Yeah, it's crazy. So there you go, folks. We may have a map. We may ha- we may not have a map. There's something out there. We'll post it on Twitter. Uh, Tully, if you've got it, maybe right. maybe yeah, <laughs> that's right. But I think if anything, it it it's a talking point. It's interesting. Maybe more people that see it, maybe somebody can identify it. Um, but ultimately, when you see it out there on the internet, more exploration needs to go into verifying what we're actually looking at. But it's an amazing little find, whether it turns out to be uh, gold or uh, fool's gold. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it, we were kind of talking about it earlier. It's how cool is it to study a golf course, to study the, so two of the, you know, two great architects in their own right, you know, two different disciplines um, of the same art, and uh, and then to find, to find out that somebody was going to, you know, they did this with a routing, um, and they did that. I would, I mean, just just the way McKenzie routed his course, I would say that he changed it. Um, just the way he likes to bring things to a central uh, feature. Um, not all golf, golf courses can do that, but you know, at Cypress Point, there is the pretty dominant feature in the middle of the property with the dunes. Uh, they're at nine and six and seven and eight and three. They're spectacular. Um, yeah. 4T. I mean, it, everything just builds off that same as it does at Meadow and same as it does at um, uh, Valley Club. You know, three really good examples of what he does. And um, how you can just look at a routing and not see any bunkers or see anything around it. And, you know, somebody that's looking for certain things will be able to tell that it is. And, um, you know, just one thing I talked to Tony about was the 16th hole at Cypress. And, you know, I asked him, I was like, what, what do you think he would have put there? And, you know, and you know he, he spit back an answer pretty quick, and I totally forgot about it. Did he say cape, or did he say no. beerits? What did he say? Beerits. Yeah, beerits. Yeah, that was my second. But I, I, I kind of why don't I don't know why I, I kind of envision Rainer putting a par four there and making it 
a cape with the fall off green into the ocean. That would also work really well. And it wouldn't be too far of a cry of a tee shot if you're going, if you back up the tee and you're laying it out. Yeah. If you lay it out to the left, you know, into the fairway and then you have that cape feature, it's eerily similar in my opinion. And then the original cape, how it was designed with the water flowing through national golf leagues of America. But you're right. The other one, I mean, the other one in my mind was Biritz because it would be spectacular. It's it's about the same yardage as the one at Yale. And, uh, it's, I mean, it, it's got to carry over the water, as Tony said, and uh, it would be pretty cool. I mean, I'm, be, you know, somebody like Tommy Nakarado can Photoshop that for us just to give us an idea what that looks like. That'd be cool. Um, but you know what? What makes it real? What makes Cypress Point? I mean, Cypress Point is special. I mean, there's no getting around that. What really um, works there is that walk from 15 oh, to 16. So beautiful. And, it just, it's called Cypress Point. This is Meadow Club's called Meadow Club. I mean, it was a meadow that has its Cypress Point. And, I mean, there's, I don't know who mentioned it or I don't know who was saying it, but um, there was somebody mentioned that a, they ran into some people playing and they're like, yeah, we're just playing um, 15, we're playing these four holes, we'll play them a couple more times and uh, get our, get our, get her 18 holes in or whatever, but they oh. just played the Cypress point holes. Oh holes, man. Can you imagine playing that 18 oh. holes of that? <laughs> oh gosh. It hurts my heart. So yeah. beautiful. And you're right. That walk I've made the walk. I've been lucky enough to play it twice, but that yeah. the second time was just as good as the first. It just yeah. takes your breath away. How beautiful it, it is. I can't walk slow enough to enjoy it. As much no, as you're right. As I, uh, fun fact. So I played it. I was lucky enough to play it, I think, the first week of March, right before this madness mm-hmm. uh, pandemic hit us. And ever since then, this is a true and also a sad story about me, is ever since then, <laughs> I have not been able to go to sleep without listening to the um, Carmel Ocean Waves. Mm-hmm. You can find that on uh, uh, iTunes. I listened to that. And I think about playing that four-hole stretch. That's how I go to bed every single night now. That's the bad. that's madness, though. It's madness. Yeah. One. I mean, through the research I've done, I mean, I'm I go to postcard and paper shows, which sounds about as exciting as it does. I can't yeah. I mean, usually I get that face that. when I tell somebody that I love golf history. I get the face that I'm making right now to you saying that. Yeah. And, uh, um, I've found some, some pretty amazing things throughout the time I've gone to these things. And, you know, if anybody is into research and trying to find stuff for golf courses in your area or even beyond, um, the amount of golf courses, um, the amount of stuff I found that I have found is pretty remarkable. Yeah. What do you find? Um, what do you find at something one, like that? One time I found a, um, uh, I'm looking through large format pictures and I mean, it boxes and boxes of them. And I just stuck my nose in one box and started going and, uh, and uh, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at this picture and I recognized it immediately for, for the uh, Cypress trees on 16. And this picture was probably, I'm, I'm probably would date it to right around the, the turn of the last century. So it's, 
it's the what it's showing is the 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 green site for the fifteenth hole at about nineteen hundred. Wow! No on it, but the 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 paper and the the way the, the image is uh, rendered makes me feel like it's pretty darn old. Um, I I want to get somebody else to look at it just so I can you know kind of the nineteen hundreds a good round number and uh, but it's it's amazing um, and. Uh, at some, I've been out there a couple of times since I've had the picture. I just haven't gotten the same. What I like to do is take a picture and then fade it into the other picture. Oh yeah, yeah. So do modern to old to modern, and um, I do that with a couple other folks, and we're always sharing stuff like that. And it's just to be able to see the transition of, or the the transition in the vision in in this case of McKenzie. Um, trying to figure out what's he going to do there. And you need to send me that sequence. No. Yeah. You're going to send it to me. And if you say, don't share it, I won't share it. Yeah. Tully, I'm hanging up right now. Unless you send it to me. <laughs> well, I haven't shared it with anybody. I mean, I know that's why it's the best to share it with me. That's the point. It's, I'm the best like person. When you find something like that, it's just like, it's not like I feel like I've conquered something, but it, it's like you're, you're th- I think you're literally thinking like I need to share this with Connor. Like that should be the first <laughs> thought. Like oh, this is am- all of you out there should be thinking yeah. this. Share this with Connor. No, it's just such a special picture. I I, I don't. I mean, yeah, it's um, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it's just a really cool picture. I wanted. I I just haven't had the light to get the the picture that I want to. Um, to make it really shine. I'm going to yeah, give you, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of an idea. It's a little bit of artwork that you can do mm-hmm. is do it. I'd love to see. I'd like, I'd say, I just say I'd like a sequence photo where you show the original and then you take that right angle and you fit overlap those two images all the way until the modern day. That would be a pretty cool thing to have on your wall. Unique. Yeah. Well, I've done that, you know, so McKenzie at Lake Merced, um, so Lake Merced was done by Willie Locke, um, who's not greatly known. He's basically a Bay Area guy, he did some work up in the Pacific Northwest, but he went out to um, Columbia Country Club in, what was it, 20 or 21? 21. And he ended up getting sick. He didn't even play in the U.S. Open, but he went around and saw some courses of note, one of which was uh, Pine Valley. And uh, when he came back, um, he wrote in – it was written in some of the the, um, the um, information about the club being formed was that he was going to make it the Pine Valley of the West. Oh, wow. And, Big words uh, there, yeah. He tried. I don't know, it didn't really succeed, um, and it really wasn't very much of a Pine Valley but-esque. Uh, <laughs> but um, there's a picture of one of his greens – um, it was either the, the, um, wow, the eighth or the 17th hole. It was a par three. It's no longer there. Um, Robert Muir Graves erased it. And, um, but, um, it's the famous picture of McKenzie's, um, green there where I'll post, I'll post the images cause it's, it's, it's remarkable the talent and vision that McKenzie had 
and just it's kind of one era outshining the other by a long shot and um, um, it's really cool I mean I can't count I probably could actually probably about eight or nine times I've seen that on a on a magazine cover in the Northern California area when it was in existence I mean it was as high profile of a golf hole um, I would almost I mean it's hard to compare it to the 15th at Cypress but it was on more covers than the 15th at Cypress was. Um, obviously, it was had more time to. Well, no, it didn't. It was built right about the same time. Excuse me, 1928. Um, but um, you know, one there's one person we're forgetting um, in regards to Cypress Point. That's uh, Marion Holland. Oh, sure. Yeah, actually, I have a question yeah. coming up about her. But go and ahead. Her involvement there. Um, well, why don't we jump into that? Like, what what was her role, and how did their how did their relationship work between her and McKinsey? Uh, obviously, Marion Hollins. For the, you folks that that don't know who Marion Hollins is, we brought this up in one of the earlier podcasts. Not only one of the great uh, amateur golfers of her time, but really a game changer. I, I mean, forget the fact that she was female. Uh, the way she changed the game, whether it be Women's National Golf and Tennis Club or uh, how she influenced Augusta National, it is her mark on the game is deep. Pebble Beach, uh, Cypress Point, Pasia Tempo. What was her role in Cypress Point? Well, I mean, you got to back up a little bit. Her, I mean, her role with, I mean, she was a, let me make sure I get this right, um, or close to right. But um, she was um, the realtor is not the right way to say it. But um, she almost was, like the broker, the, almost the, though the she property. was kind of a broker, yeah. right? Yeah. So she was identifying properties and sellers and buyers. And I mean, the, the craziest thing that I've found that relates her to Cyprus is um, under construction. Um, she made a home movie. And when she traveled back to New York, she took it with her to show prospective members or, or her friends what they were doing there with, obviously, Alistair McKenzie. And I would give just about anything to see that. I think we all would. Oh, we don't know. We don't know where that is or if it still exists, correct? That's correct. Oh, lot, man. I mean, unfortunately, when she died, I think, 42 or something, she, it was maybe even later, but when she died, um, you know, during World War II, it was definitely World War II. Uh, I mean, all her golf trophies were melted down for the most part. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, um, but the, the part she had was, I mean, she identified the property, worked on, you know, trying to make sure that everything came as, um, you know, working with Morris and, you know, I would assume that she's, I mean, it sounds like she was heavily involved just from the stories that we hear with her, you know, talking to Mackenzie or maybe even had the same talk with Rainer about, you know, making 16 a par four or a par three, excuse me. <laughs> and, uh, but at the end of the day, what's really interesting is, um, you know, um, you know, here's again. I mean, it's remarkable. Um, even 
by today's standards, it would be remarkable if a woman um, formed a club and and um, did what she did um, three times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and all of them being game-changing, game-changing courses, right? Correct. I and mean, women's national probably – women's national, uh, Emmett was in that. But all, I believe McDonald and Rayner were consultants on that project, which yeah. almost makes you wonder how if that is the connection point with Rayner and Cypress Point and Monterey, of course. Yeah. yeah. Could very well be. Um, you know, I mean, I think we, we brought up Bob Beck already. Um in the, the last podcast, but please ask him questions as many as you can. Oh, I will. Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, Bob's in possession of some of her, her, her course, her journals and stuff. So, um, and, uh, I can only, I haven't had, I haven't had a chance to look at any of it yet, but, um, he knows more about Marion Hollins and, you know, kind of like the McKenzie chronology. I mean, I, might know a little too much about McKenzie in some areas. And, uh, but it's, it's a passion when you, when you see somebody do what they did, um, at that level and, uh, succeed in her case three times, um, at such, um, special places, uh, the two that I'm familiar with, obviously, um, at Cyprus and Pasatiempo. But, uh, what's really interesting is, um, one of the one of the you know one of the earlier well a couple of the earlier members uh, Grantlin Rice was a member at Cyprus and um, Glenna Collette yeah was a member did I didn't know there. I didn't know she was how about that yeah and what was interesting you know, just doing research um, on that on on the course for this and for, for some other things and uh, <clears throat> in 1927 she was looking to form a club in Connecticut for women. And uh, Cypress Point came up, and maybe that changed everything. But, uh, but yeah, when she played in some of her last, I mean, not last, but, in, you know, when she was winning quite a few of her tournaments, she was, was playing out of Cypress Point Golf Club as her home course. Do, do we know if, if she was part of the process to replace Rayner at Cypress Point? Was she part of that decision-making team? Collins? Yes. Yes. Would, it's. I would say by all means. Um, um, I mean, if she was as involved as she was in securing the property and working with Morris and you know all all that that entailed, um, it it seems like it would make sense. Um, in you know, the Hollins family is it goes it has a fairly strong uh, fairly strong and rich history in golf. I mean, her brother played. Uh, I want to say her brother played at Harvard or seems like a Harvard guy, but um, yeah. So she's, I mean, besides winning the, uh, the U S women's um, championship, she, I mean, she played in tournaments out of Monterey and, and um, you know, she just would dominate and win, win most everything. And she was trying to, trying to get other women to come out and play so she could have somebody to play against. Yeah, exactly. That and, you know, and, and encourage, I mean, encourage other women to be involved as far as I could tell. And, uh, and I think, I think we, and, you know, I, I wish that, um, 
we knew more about her and, uh, you know, through Bob's work and, um, and there was the book that was written, but, um, that was, I think with the, the research capabilities that we have online now and going through correspondence and stuff, I think we'll, we should learn quite a bit more, but, um, um, no, a remarkable woman and, um, you know, just who loved golf and just, you know, had an eye and a knack for, for, um, getting what she wanted. I, I would say, I mean, look at yeah. what she did. I, and she had a fantastic okay. career. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. just to be associated with those three clubs alone, uh, heck to be associated with one is a lifetime right. achievement award. Yeah. <laughs> right to be a Which three is, unbelievable yeah. and yet most people don't know her name that's why you know i'll get bob on the show and we'll do a nice little podcast and uh pay you know the tribute that is due to marion hollands uh let's get back to cyprus so yeah. let me just ask you this tully um what in your mind stands out and makes cypress point such a great golf course such a great design what did alistair mckenzie do with that specific property, and I guess the question is really, did he get the most out of the property, and then how did he do it? Cypress Point in McKenzie, um, I will not lie. Uh, I would love to see what Rainer would have done and completed there, and I think we would be talking, somebody would, well, Tony would be talking about that, how great it was, um, and I probably would be too. Um, but unfortunately that didn't happen. And, uh, I guess the closest thing we have is Fisher's Island. Correct. For Seth Rainer. I mean, to get an idea of how he might've used some of the scapes, that'd probably Mm -hmm. be the best one for one comparison. Not that they're equal. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different soil types and, 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 uh, all that, but topography. Yeah. Yeah. And, but for me, the natural beauty that he was able to, um, to engage with and, um, connect with, and again, I, you know, the intimacy of that routing is, is remarkable. I mean, you get off of, um, the 11th, you go to the 12th tee and you're right there by the people walking up to three green and four tee and what have you. And, um, it's the, there's a lot of views that are there, you know, you, you, you stay on that TN 12, I mean, you're on the you're on the green on nine, and you're like you 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 want me to go away from the ocean, but you don't want to. Cause yeah, you know what's coming up, but it, even on two, right? When you you go down one and you have it on your left, and then you have to go away from it. But man, that par five is so exceptional. Yeah, everything rewards you. Um, just the the you know, I think I mean four has always been one of my favorite holes out there, um, just because nobody wants to you're already, you know, you're already, like you said, off of two T or like kind of just ready to go get back to that 14th T and work your way around. But, um, the, I, for me, the holes are so good out there in the variety that they have, you know, five is, is Oh, five is spectacular. It's, spectacular. Yeah. Everything you look at off the T is a bunker. Yeah. The way he it, staggers the, the middle long and the long bunker is just unbelievably fantastic. It's just yeah. gorgeous. And, um, you know, 11, 11 is great. I mean, you know, they got the center line hazards 
And uh, nine is a great short par four. I mean, it might be yeah. my favorite short short par four in the country. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think what <clears throat> the club and what Jeff has done out there, Jeff Marco, superintendent. I mean, I my first time playing out there was in two thousand, and um, I was in awe at that time. But what what made it even more remarkable? and even it still does it today is the course feels like it's just sitting there. It doesn't feel like it's not overly striped out. It's everything is just so understated there and it just makes the place shine even more. And, um, the colors, I mean, McKenzie talks about the colors and multiple colors and got the sand, you got the grasses and, um, it's, it's just pure golf. I always think of it as it's it's one of those beautiful places where it uses contrast as good as any. Like there is certainly a, a I don't know if you want to call it groomed, but there's a groomed, I mean, the course, the fairways are groomed, the greens are groomed, they're in fantastic shape. But then you have these rugged dunes that outline so many of the holes and the rumpled fairways and there's just this, it's a beautiful combination. I think you said colors, I'd say topography, I'd say canvas, but the way that course is put together, just the beautification of it, of rough Mm -hmm. and clean is just so spectacularly well done. And, you know, and I started this because you'd mentioned nine, you know, the work on eight and nine recently, and it's probably been a couple of years now, but removing the ice plant, there and on 14 you know just when you sit there and look at you know the early construction pictures not even construction but well the early construction pictures is a lot more sand but the early course um when it was first built and kind of just a little bit more sand in the rough areas i think instead of just having turf all around i think just having a little more um, open scrapes and and stuff would be i think it would just tick it off one more notch up but uh not like a, I'm not saying something similar to number two or something, but just a little bit of just um, it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just having that sand back there, a little bit more sand. And they've done that on um, the recent, you know, they've done some work on seven that has um, cleaned it up a little bit too. So just got my mind thinking about that. How much of McKinsey's work is still intact at Cyprus? Um, it feels like quite a bit of it. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's been, you know, you know, they put in, you know, it's just, I'm trying to think of stuff, but, um, Paso Tiempo, they've changed, I mean, Paso Tiempo, he changed stuff, um, even before he died. But, um, Cypress Point, you know, as with any course, it got, you know, the bunkers got tired and, and, um, you know, they did the work. Um, man, I'm forgetting the name of the the pro that passed away recently, Jim Langley. Um, um, you know they worked with him, um, and and Jeff, and you know with all the old pictures that they have from from um, the Julian Graham collection, which are, were featured in the book that Shackelford put together. Yeah, um, gorgeous book, by the way. Oh yeah, I mean, and the crazy part is is there's more pictures of the golf course um, in Pebble and MPCC. And, um, but I, you can't access them because 
um, their nitrate negatives, and um, that's considered a hazardous material. Oh, no. I did yeah. not know that. Oh, I did not yeah, know so that. There, most of the pictures that he took, I mean, so Julian Graham, what, well, a lot of what he did was he took pictures for the for um, the properties, um, excuse me, for the resort kind of thing. So, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith coming in from, from Columbus, Ohio, you want to get your picture, here's, we'll have Mr. Graham take your picture in front of the clubhouse or what have you. So he took all these pictures of the guests, but then, you know, he was called upon to, you know, give us, you know, take pictures for this and that. And, um, and, um, they have, you know, the Pebble Beach company has a lot of images from him. Um, they're thank you know, we're all thankful to him. And, you know, you can see some of them online at Loon Hill and, um, quite a bit of, I mean, you can see, you know, the state of golf was very strong in the late twenties, early thirties, even through everything. Um, the, the people that he took pictures of is quite remarkable. And, um, Besides Mr. and Mrs. Smith from Columbus, I mean, we're talking all the actors and athletes, and um, you can see that on the one on the website. But um, and but that's only a small portion. So, I mean, I would love to see the pictures showing the work that McKinsey did on the eighth and thirteenth hole at, at uh, Pebble Beach, and uh, and you know all other all the other work that you know you know. That's the, so what's really crazy when you think about Cypress Point is I think about Cypress Point, but then I also think about the the, the, the work that um, Chandler Egan, Robert Hunter, and Roger Laffin were doing at Pebble Beach in, in, uh, in connection to uh, the U.S. Amateur and, uh, and um, the, their, you know, their faux um, sand dunes and all that. But... Um, Imagine, you know, Hunter's in a partnership with McKenzie. Egan joins the partnership in 29 after Hunter um, uh, resigns or, or retires uh, due to health concerns. And, um, you know, Roger Lapham was president at Cyprus and San Francisco, probably, if I can remember right. And he was, I think he was even the mayor of San Francisco. Um very and man, I and he was very tight in. He was he was one of the actors trying to get um, USGA events to the West Coast. And I mean, I, I think we talked about it the last time. Um, you know, they were trying to get something, and that was the reason for McKenzie's report at San Francisco, trying to figure out things there. And you know, they that had been talked about for quite a few times. But and prior uh, to that, uh, the West Coast for the USGA was Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to refer to it that way, the West yeah. Coast. Yeah. yeah. And, but I mean, it's just, it's just remarkable to think that both of those jobs are going on almost at the same exact time. And you can, I mean, you know, hey, this is, you know, hey, Egan, McKenzie needs you over. He, he wants you to come over and look at something at Cyprus or vice versa. You know, Egan calls McKenzie, can you help me over here on something? I'm just making it up. But Or, hey, we're going to go have dinner. And then they talk about, what do we want to do here? What are we going to do there? I mean, my goodness. 
What do you think about that, though? So, Pebble, before we jump back to Cyprus, um, the work in 28-29 for the U.S. Amateur, um, there's a lot that argue that it's Egan's work and not uh, McKinsey's. What is, what's your take on that? That's uh, Egan, yeah. I mean, it's McKinsey. I mean, I'm sure there was, you know, I mean, Hunter was involved, so I'm, I'm sure, um, well... I'll get into the, the, the run-in with McKinsey and Morris, but um, um, what what's fascinating about – there's a lot of fascinating things about Pebble Beach. You know, first of all, when it first opened, it was not a very good golf course. They had to clo- – they pretty much closed and, and revamped it. Um, Fowler came in in 20, drew up plans. Um, he, the work was going to be in two stages. Um, he was going to eliminate seven, and he believe he was the one. It's been a while since I've looked at that. But um, 18 was turned into a par five in plans, but they weren't followed through until um, his name was Bunker Vincent. He was a, a golfer in the area. I think Great he, name. Great name, yeah. right? Yeah, he did some of the, he he was did some work later. And, um, but, um, but yeah, they shifted six and nine fairways, um, a lot closer to the ocean. Um, I've got drawings that show that, um, back in the day they were, you know, it's a resort course and they, even back then they were thinking about lost balls and, you know, maybe even people falling in the ocean. Um, maybe they weren't as stupid as some of our people are today, but, um, but you know they they shifted the fairways over and um, and you know really made it his work definitely made it a, a the golf course closer to what we recognize today. Um, unfortunately, um, they get so much play out there. Um, it's it's hard to really tackle. I mean, um, tackle some of the restorative work that would need to be taken out there. Um, and just having walked out there for the, I went out there for the AT and T, um, whatever it's called now. Is it the AT? The um, yeah, still AT and T, right? Yeah, it changed so often. Um, everybody's they're finishing up the round. Everybody's over on fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, and I'm over on a ten and eleven. Walking, they've already got the ropes down. I'm walking down the middle of the fairway, walking around, looking at the at the architecture, and um, and it's. I mean, if Egan were to come out and, and see that, I think he'd be like, man, I got to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, um, there, you know, Pebble Beach is a great golf course. and um, But um, the, the greens were a lot bigger, and there was, just, there was a lot more to the golf course and just, than just having small greens. I mean, part of that is, you know, it, they have a lot of tournaments there, you know, you know, sometimes twice a year with uh, the AT&T and the U.S. Open every 10 years-ish. But uh, they narrow it down, and the small greens help to defend par. So it's kind of become, you know, what the course has gotten known for besides, you know, something off to the right of it or the left. Well, it's mostly on the right, right? So front 18. So. No, it's a great golf course, um, but you know, for there was changes made to eight and thirteen, 
Um, but there's there's some references where it says that Egan didn't touch the greens um, after and McKenzie had just done the work like two years prior to that. So, um, and he was working just down the road. So he's priced every time they went over a 13 or, or eight, he was probably don't do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I have no idea. Okay, let's jump back into Cyprus. Um, the one knock you hear from almost not everybody, but you hear enough of it from Cyprus is it's the best 17 hole golf course in the United States and everyone, not everyone. That's unfair. Quite a few people take an issue with the 18th hole. Now, some talk about the McKinsey bridge, uh, making that hole longer out on the rock, right? Give me your thoughts on the 18th hole. I, I like it. It's a quirky hole. It's it's reminiscent of maybe the Alps hole at Prestwick, where it's kind of a semi-blind shot. You're hitting a very unique tee shot off the tee. Maybe walk through the hole for the people who haven't seen it, and then maybe your thoughts of the 18th hole at, at uh, Cypress Point. Yeah, um, I, I like it. I don't – I mean, it's funny. Um, if it was anywhere else, I probably wouldn't like it. But I know where I'm at. I mean, it's Cypress Point, and, you know, I'm – yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat everything McKenzie did, but it's um, – you got to get back to the clubhouse. And, you know, off the tee, you got the ocean roaring behind you, and now you got a parking lot that, you know, is mostly blind um, from view. But, um, I mean, you're staring down a cypress tree off yeah. the tee. And, it's, and a big one. It's not even a little yeah. cypress tree. Gosh. And, I mean, it, they've gone back and put some of the, the bunkers back in that were underneath the red, uh, redwoods, um, cypress trees. So, I mean, the hole is, you definitely, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's, if it's still kind of hanging on to the idea of match play versus stroke play. But um, um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you got it. You, you still have to hit the shot, get out in the fairway, and and play your shot and a good one to place yourself and have a good angle into that green. And um, and you definitely want to be below the hole. Um, I found myself up on the upper oh. above the green behind it. Yeah, and, uh, that green is treacherous too. It is very treacherous. And uh, but you know, just seeing. I mean, there's pictures from when McKenzie played with Robert Hunter and a uh, a banker guy from Quebec. I don't know why I remember that part, but um, they're, they're just beautiful pictures. I mean, you're playing amongst these ancient cypress trees, and there's no other place like it. And I think I don't think that hurts the hole. Um, I don't. I don't. It's probably a little bit more one-dimensional. It's just target golf at the end of the day now. But back in the day, with the clubs they were hitting, you know, oh my gosh, I'd be very intimidated yeah. with that. I'm, I'm still intimidated by still it. Still hitting those clubs, but um, but uh, no. If it's going to be the best 17-hole golf course, that's fine for those people that want to say that. But I I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think the other holes are just that much better that. The, this hole just kind of stands out for for that reason. But um, so how would how would you view the hole if the tee box was on the rock out in the water? How does that change? Does it change it for you? 
Probably not. It, it brings from well for my level of play. I, I don't hit the ball very far. Yeah, well, you're playing hickories too. To yeah. be fair, or persimmons. Persimmons, yeah. Um, but to me, I, I don't know. I, I one thing I'm trying to figure out is if that's the original location. I mean, I'm, the rock is right behind that tee, but it feels like the tee should be over to the right some more, and it's not. So I'm wondering. I've always kind of wondered that. Um, just trying to get a better gauge of that one, but uh, um, it's just an intimidating tee shot. Um, it's the hardest tee shot on the course, in my opinion. Yeah, it's the one. It's the one place on at Cyprus you cannot miss off the tee. But at the same time, it's 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 not that much once you get into the landing area. It's it's yeah. rather large. And, that's yeah. And it's that's, it, it's an it it's, tricks your eye for sure. It looks it like it's does. five yards wide. You're hitting over a tree, but you're also likely for many people not hitting a driver. So you have a level of control because it's not that long of a hole. So he's not asking a hundred percent of you, but he's probably asking at least 95. Yeah. Yep. So let's ask you this. So, um, you know, we're kind of through Cyprus. <laughs> uh, we're going to be in a four podcast level. We're now at an hour. So congrats. <laughs> But that's great. We're doing one full one on Cyprus, one on Augusta. I mean, what else could you ask for? Um, what what little known or what tales do you know of Mackenzie at Cypress Point that you can close us out with? Well, um, I'm going to go somewhere else. It's just going to be Cyprus. Yeah, just uh, Cyprus. That's great. Um, most, most, of, most everybody's probably read the match or is familiar enough with it. Um, I've always, with all the research I do, I'm familiar with all these old golf pros and I had reached out to a family member of Harold Sampson's and Harold Sampson was the first pro at Pebble beach. He was only there for like six or eight months, but, um, he was the first pro there and, you know, um, who I think it was Walter Hagen said he was of the first water, um, I've heard that reference a couple of times. It's, but um, he he won numerous golf tournaments in the Bay Area um, through the NCGA and other things, and um, really good golfer. And he also, I think, he wrote probably uh, I think it was thirty two. He wrote one of his his first book on golf um, um, instruction, and then he wrote another one in fifty. But um his daughter told me that he used to give lessons or he gave a lesson to Ken Venturi. And, and I was like, well, that's interesting. No I doubt. Like, because I, it, I think he mentions in the match that his first golf lesson was with, um, with, um, Byron Nelson, I think is what he said. And, um, so, this was boy, when was this when Cal Club reopened? He hit the inaugural tee shot um, as he should, and um, and um, and then uh, that was he, he talked a little bit, and and then um, I can't think of the pro now, but um, he's that doesn't matter. Um, and uh, they went out, we, they played a couple of the holes, and then we went in and had some lunch, and we go back in, and I'm. I see Ken Venturi over by the salad bar and nobody's over there. It was just him. So I kind of, 
I slid over and I started, I introduced myself and, and, um, I was like, it was really nice to, to, to finally, um, see you play golf in person. And I know it was only one shot and, you know, we just made small talk. And then I asked him if he knew Harold Sampson and he kind of turned and looked at me. He's like, like, Whoa, he goes, I haven't heard that name in a while. And, um, and, uh, so we, I talked a little bit and I, I mentioned that I had read, I, I knew he was a good instructor and I had found out through his daughter that, that he had given you lessons, um, earlier in his career. And, uh, he <laughs> kind of looked back at me and he goes, I wouldn't really call those lessons. He goes, they were just kind of swing tips. <laughs> and, uh, it was as I mean, I, I'm, I'm always, you know, trying to understand things and I mean, I'm not trying to, to, um, ruin books or. No, you're not besmirching it. Not at all. But it's like, it's a cool story and they always are. And, um, but, um, there's, there's always a little bit of something else going on, but, uh, and I'm not, you know, Ken Venturi's an amazing golfer and a gentleman and, I mean, I always remember. I, I just get chills thinking about him. When when was that? The um, the international? What the hell is that called? Um, do you remember what I'm talking about? Where um, the the guy that won the tournament, his daughter was blind. Oh no, and, I don't. What was that? And and she was trying. She couldn't understand what was going on, and she put her hand on her dad's face, and then she just lit up because she knew he was happy. Um, cause she, you know, she didn't know what was going on and just the way he handled that. I mean, I'm totally got the chills. I haven't seen that in forever, but, um, I remember seeing that live and it was just amazing. And, and, uh, but, um, uh, but yeah, you know, the matches, I mean, it's, it's a good story. I mean, it's, it's an amazing story and, you know, amazing, um, golfers experience. And I mean, it's, great that we've managed to get so much out of that. It's one of the great classics out there. I think that the story, how it weaves between each player's story and weaves Mm -hmm. back to the match is just, it's, it's beautifully well-written. And I would never say, I know obviously this is tough to say because a lot of people won't be able to play Cypress point, but by chance, if you ever have the chance to play Cypress point, or if you're just driving down 17 mile road and you drive by Cypress point, um, I, I always tell people if you have the chance to play it or you're driving by it, um, even if you have to listen on audiobook, it is well worth the read or the listen. You'll be a better person for it. That's what I always say about that book. You have just listened to part three of the history of Dr. Alistair McKenzie, Cypress Point. In the age of the coronavirus, I thought I would end our podcast with some levity rather than a summary. Here is an outtake recorded between Part 3 and Part 4. I had originally assumed that the Cypress Point and Augusta National podcast would fit into one final episode. This outtake sums it all up. Here we are again. Fourth episode, Tully. Fourth. Fourth. All right. <laughs> this, won't be, this won't be out there. This is our little take. Uh, Episode, episode four, part four of the 20 part podcast with Alice. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh-uh. All right. <laughs>